Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. A reminder that we are on Patreon for as low as a dollar a month. You can support us in doing what we love and so we can give that love back to you. Today's guest is Brian Burneman. He is the founder of Conscious Action Podcast and You Being You, and he's based out of New Zealand. He's here today to share with us how his country has responded to COVID-19, how he has responded to COVID-19, and where he predicts the world is going and how we can make the world a better place. I Listening to him has just put me at ease. He has a wonderful voice, definitely for podcasting. So please check out his work. Uh, you will enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind. You're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. We have Brian uh, Burneman with us. Did I get that right, the last name? Yes. Wonderful. Okay. So, Brian, thank you for joining us today. You're the, uh, the host of the podcast, Conscious Action. And uh, I, was, I was listening to some of it. And the episode that, that I heard, it was about, uh, yes, we need to be aware of, of our earth and how we can be better stewards of it and, and, and try to undo some of the impact, the human impact that we've had on it. You know, just a wonderful topic that we can easily, easily not focus our energy on. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Robert. Yeah. It's really, really nice to be able to, to be here and to be able to, to share a little bit of, what's going on in this side of the world well and, and you're in new zealand you're in auckland and new zealand of course being an island nation uh, my understanding is that as a response to covid 19 it's it's kind of just shut down a lot of what it's doing so mm. do you mind sharing us a little bit about what new zealand's response has been yeah, definitely. And, and it's been really, really interesting, especially like throughout this entire year talking with my family. I'm originally from Argentina and oh. I have family in Argentina, family around Europe. And it's been really interesting talking about it because here the, the strategy from the beginning, from the government, it was to go hard mm -hmm. and to go fast. Um, so once it was seen that actually something like a lockdown was necessary, it was nationwide uh, and there were quite a lot of restrictions in terms, in terms of what we could do. Yet it was really interesting because I could still comparing to other countries that I was talking with people from there, I could still go for a walk. I could still like, go and do things in other countries that wasn't allowed. So here, most people, and I, I have heard, but I'm not sure, I have heard that some people didn't respect the quarantine. 
but for most people they did respect the quarantine and as you said this is an island nation and one of the benefits that that had was that the government decided okay we're going to close the borders um, that meant no new people coming into the country except that they managed the way that new people were going to come into the country only New Zealanders residents returning into the country and everyone that needed to come back need to come back and do a two-week isolation that in a very short amount of time that changed into being a mandated quarantine process in a government um, um, appointed place so the government rented out hotels and all of the new people coming to the country were going to be there instead of doing their own thing. So it it started to to also be a little bit more that the government actually was like, okay, we're going to do it this way. And most people got on top of it. Um, and yes, it was challenging at the beginning for a lot of people to adjust to it. I, in my experience, I'm really blessed that I live in a house with a garden and mm. with really nice roommates uh, or housemates actually. And it wasn't that, like, I mean, I, I'm okay. I have, a, and in my background, I, I practice a lot of meditation. I mm. practice a lot of um, mindfulness and all of these different practices that for me really, the lockdown time was kind of like being on retreat. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was so amazing because I was able to slow down and not to have to go anywhere, enjoying even more than usual cooking as a, as a house all together and enjoying times together, being able to actually have more time to talk with my family abroad. Mm. Um, so that was, that was really nice. And as well, something that happened that comparing to other countries, New Zealand was able to give a subsidy to everyone whose work was impacted by COVID, which meant then that that's something that I didn't really need to think about because for the weeks that the lockdown uh, took place, then I had an income so that really made it so that I could actually, in a sense, enjoy it. So, yeah, that was really interesting. Well, I, and I've got to say, Brian, I mean, you definitely, and I mean this truly, that you have a very, I can see that you're at peace. The way that mm. you talk, I mean, you're, you're, you're putting me at ease because before I was talking, I was like, hey, Brian, how's it going? You know, and, and, I can see that you've, you, you must have come to a place of peace and understanding well before COVID-19 started. Is that correct? Yes, I've been for the last 17 years. Mm -hmm. This has been my, my path of, of trying to discover and uncover myself and understand myself with different tools and different traditions of studying ancient wisdom and yeah, this this is what I do and what I do with with my work and what I do with the Conscious Action podcast. Um, it's all about trying to understand 
the ways that, that we can live and the way that we can live more consciously and and the way to understand well-being from a personal, collective and a global perspective. So understanding really, and this is part of why it's called conscious action, because the action part is really important, especially everything that has to do with the earth and relationships. So it's really about understanding for me that if I understand myself, I understand my relationship with you. I understand my relationship with everyone. I understand my relationship with the earth and then my actions. I know what my actions need to be because they are informed by a deep connection. And that's something that I feel that we as society for a long time, we forgot something that most of the indigenous cultures still had at their foundation um, and something that I was actually hoping that COVID would lead us there. Uh, I think that it did a little bit, not, on, not to the extent that I was hoping, but it did show us, I think, that how connected everyone is. Um, because this went everywhere in the world uh, and it didn't matter whether it's a rich country or a not rich country, whether the skin color or the religion or the culture, it didn't matter. This went everywhere and getting to that place of recognizing like we're all interconnected and, and how we can understand that. I think that's really interesting. It's such a, a wonderful point that we come to this place of there's a split in the path, there's a fork in the road, and we can either, we've been given this new information, and we can either accept it and adapt, <clears throat> or we can deny it and reject it. And and I've we, we've seen a lot of kind of confrontation around the world, as well as, yes, the adaptation that we're coming to a new place of understanding. And I think I, I have a very limited understanding of, of Buddhism and this Eastern way of, of thinking, but enlightenment. And first of all, enlightenment is, it's not a destination. It's a kind of a constant journey and, and resisted as we may, but resistance is all part of, it is kind of part of acceptance, right? Because a giant boulder, you know, it's coming, it's falling at you. You can try and push against it, but at some point, you know, it's just, it's almost oblivion to try and fight against something. Mm. And that's why I think there's been a lot of, of angst in the world is that we're at this point where instead of, you know, pointing our fingers, we now have to look internally and that's the next step. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and just to, to say something from what you were just saying about from a Buddhist perspective about enlightenment. Yes, it's a journey to understand it, but you are already enlightened. Mm. You're already enlightened. Yes, that's in the, in the Buddhist teachings. The understanding is that we are already enlightened. We're just not realizing it. Wow. 
How? And and the and the journey is to one of uncovering and taking off the veils mm. that are preventing us from seeing that. And I wear many veils. <laughs> you know? We all do. Yeah, I, I hide behind many things. Yeah, and, and a lot of them, of course, are, most of them are unconscious. Like some mm. of them are conscious that we're choosing and that is the, the mask that we are sharing and we're showing up in the world with different people in our lives but the maturity really is unconscious and you know i, I do feel as, as you're saying there's a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with the circumstances that are happening and a lot of it comes back as you were saying for me on how Am I responding to it? And one of the things that that what I teach when with with my courses and with my coaching is how to engage with our experience in a sense of instead of reacting, responding. And the reacting is that um, automatic response that you're not even thinking about that you don't have any say. It's just this conditioned way. Whereas if you're responding to life, you are choosing and you are conscious about what you're doing. The, the action might be the same, but what it's coming from, it's different. And, and I see this with a lot of people around the world, you know, that there's, for example, here in New Zealand, like after a few weeks of hard lockdown, we went into um, a different level. So there were four different levels here. So level one to four, and the four was full quarantine and isolation. And then level three, um, we went into a level that some things were open and you didn't have to stay completely at home, but it was um, recommended. And then level two, um, that only gatherings more than 100 people weren't possible. And the level one, um, basically almost everything is open and, and yes, take care of things, uh, but it's kind of like, you know, life um, is, is open for everything. And we were like blessed enough that after some weeks of doing that, then there wasn't any any cases in the country, which meant that then suddenly everything opened. And from one day to the next, you know, I was able to notice, and I talked with a lot of people, that I, I was able to notice how suddenly it's like, wow, I'm like, there's cars again in the road, like there's all of this noise pollution right. once again. And and that people went back to, to work and to go to all of these different things that happened, just kind of like returning to a sense of normality, mm. um, which I was hoping that that didn't happen. Yes. yes, of course, there needs to be, like we need that openness and we need that freedom and we need to do things, but I was hoping that we wouldn't revert back to some of the ways and that we would move forward to some ways. Uh, and I do know that there were some learnings, of course, and for some individual people, um, things evolved. 
but here as the majority of people just went back into into work and into making money with i mean this is not judging this is just the reality understanding as well people's experiences and people's positions a lot of uh, people's work were impacted and a lot of places closed down um so of course there's there's a lot of challenges and for new zealand the number one industry was tourism mm. so once the borders were closed it's like okay like the country needs a, a big shift and the government um gave a lot of, of money injection and subsidies to the tourism industry um to be able to keep people working and to be able to keep employees um still being paid and employed and to be able to give a little bit of a shift from the tourism industry from like people from abroad to internal tourism mm. so we were able to travel like i mean it's it's worth really interesting because now like for the last uh, during like christmas and the holidays like i went to a festival with 2000 people and like and i traveled around the country and to different right. beach cities like you know and it's like and at the same time i'm talking with my family and they are you know in, a, in an apartment <laughs> during winter like on the other side of the world and it's it's really interesting just seeing seeing that and how i had some some people that were saying you know like they felt guilty talking with their friends or family from other places because of the freedom that we were able to have here uh, and that in our places of the world it's not and you know it's it's been really really interesting that we won't know until many many years in the future what was the right response to a pandemic like this and yet in the moment and for most of the year that we were able to be free and everything mm-hmm. was open here i'm i'm really blessed and i'm thankful for the decisions that the government made the decisions that everyone in the country made to be able to actually make this happen because it it takes everyone to buy into what the mandate is as well and and I mean, kind of the the solution to it, like you said, was just to shut it down. But here in Canada, they've we've really struggled. I mean, I'll, I'll speak for our experiences, not in other countries, but in Canada, we've really had a hard time shutting it down because uh, the system, you know, the the financial system, it, it depends on certain things to stay running. And like you say, tourism was one of them here in Canada, you know, air travel, airfare. Of course, that's how it came in. So it's this sort of double-edged sword of, you know, what, what do we do? And in New Zealand, they've, they've made this decision to continue to shut things down. And yeah. Is, is that correct? Like there's there's still not flights coming in or anything like there's, that? There's, as far as I'm aware, um, that's the only flights that are coming in is for people returning um, 
I think that recently they started to open up to not only residents, but to people that will be coming here for a little bit of a longer period because anyone that is returning to the country or everyone that is coming to the country not only needs to do the two-week mandatory um, quarantine, beforehand they need to have a negative test before getting into the, the plane, still they need to do that and they need to pay for the quarantine. Right. So that's, I think that around three or $4,000. So that's on top of the airfare that it's already more expensive than usual. So like for someone that actually wants to come here, um, if it would be something, someone just traveling, it's, it's a lot of money uh, plus the quarantine. So it's, it's not as, as easy, I would say, for people. And, and the government has been, as far as I'm aware, really, um, really tough on making sure that that happened because the idea was all of the time, like if they can manage the borders, which is, again, New Zealand as an island is much easier than in other other countries. Um, if they can manage the border and anyone that is inside of the quarantine facilities needs to have multiple negative tests um, or if not that will be extended then it makes it so that in the community there's no there's no virus and there was some some weeks ago actually one of the people that left the quarantine facility i think that one week afterwards they she tested positive and it was the first uh, positive test outside of a quarantine facility in months. And, and it was interesting seeing the response. And it was actually um, quite, quite effective because um, a, the person that did uh, have the positive uh, test she actually was using her phone to every place that she went and every place has like the QR um, thing to, to actually check in. So it was super easy to do the contact tracing uh, for every place that this person went and, and she was proactive into actually communicating and actually going to take the test and doing so like it, it was really fast that they were able to test everyone that it was they did a contact tracing and testing that and then realizing okay it didn't spread so then everything remained open and, and I think that is one of the things here is that we we are doing you know I think that the amount of of decisions that the government made plus people in the country buying into it the majority of people of course there's always people against the decisions and against yeah, this of um that's but, anywhere yeah but as a majority i think that um, people realize that you know do i want to have um, perhaps no freedom of traveling outside because I don't know if I will be able to come back or um, do or am I okay not having that and being able to live here freely inside of the country 
So, you know, there's there's all of these different things that different people need to, to wage. And I think that, you know, like at the end of the day, the, the government made some decisions and the government here is in a position that not a lot of governments around the world are mm-hmm. saying, you know, like we are, again, an island nation. Um, as a country, it's a rich country. So it's able to actually support its citizens. Right. So it's not just like if it's if it's a country that cannot do that, then people need to go and work. So you know, there's there's spread of the virus and things like that. If people are not able to stay home here, people stayed home. Right. If, yeah. So that helps. And 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 that is something that I've talked to people about is this interconnectedness. You know, ribosomes, if you will. That you know, every blade of grass, there's this ecosystem that runs underneath that connects them all and for what you're describing is that you were able to kind of as a nation sort of do your own thing whereas others like america and the united america the united states canada and the united states there's this you know we are we're almost you know we're we're inseparable right Mm. at least in this moment in time yeah which which is kind of going into what you talk about of consciousness and, and and what's next i mean you saw this as an opportunity to look inwards and you're hoping that that would be a little bit longer sustained mm. what do you think are the and we are you know, this is we are changed forever by this and what do you think will be the results of this will people be living more mindfully or less mindfully as a result well, you know, I think that there's there's different things in here because I don't think that this is only just COVID. I think that this is part of the evolution and part of the times that we are in. Yet, I do think that COVID is one of the aspects from where we are. Like, as you say, like this is a pivotal time, time in 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 our lifetime, in, in civilization's lifetime. Um, and there's a lot of learnings. I do think that a lot of people understood more um, what's important, what actually matters. I think that there's going to to be a lot of, as, as, as we mentioned before, like a lot of that going in and, and questioning Mm. And, and the thing with mm. this mm, that I find really interesting is that th- for me, the path of change and the path of going in and questioning, it's not always a pleasant one mm. for the person. And also it's not a pleasant one as society. Because when we look mm, within and we stop and we actually notice, wait, this isn't right. You know, like, and, and then they will start and to be even more than what already has been happening in the last few years of having groups of people that were either neglected or that were put down or or that were marginalized actually starting to rise up and say this isn't right and other people that we are seeing you know that is not right then we're going to support that so that's going to be for quite a while i think uh, a lot of changes that are not pleasant, mm. a lot of 
protests and a lot of different things like we've seen with the Black Lives Matter movement, with the Nietzsche movement even before. I do think that there's going to be even more and more and more of that because we are realizing that what we've been experiencing, it's not normal. Mm. It's not normal that, you know, like for me to be able to to have the life that I have, that there's somewhere, someone around the world that is suffering and that it's not able to live and eat and drink water because me wanting to potentially buy a t-shirt that is cheap, yes. you know, and the impact that that is having on people and, com- and on like on people, especially talking about that, for example, like the fashion industry, like every single piece of clothing that we buy, like the impact that it has on people and the environment is huge. And, and you know, like I, I, I always, when, when I'm talking about this and this one of the topics that I talk about, it's the, the fashion revolution, mm. um, it's understanding, you know, like if I open my eyes to the cost of a t-shirt, it's like, you know, like someone needs to grow the cotton. Ideally, the cotton is organic, when most of the world it's not. Already, if it's not organic, there's a huge impact in the, in, in the environment. Then oh. someone needs to actually gather it, turn it into the fabric, make it into a t-shirt. That's people, most likely in Bangladesh, in Malaysia, in India, or in somewhere in Southeast Asia, that they are paid pennies. So they are not even making a living wage. There's a child working there. And then there's the cost of shipping that to the other side of the world, selling it, the taxes. If I think of all of that, just from like a monetary standpoint, how is it that a t-shirt can be five dollars just the shipping of something needs to be way more than that so that meant that someone didn't get paid the environmental aspect uh, impact is huge so if i start you know to think about these things and i have the time and the space to think which is what i believe that covid gave us and the ones that we used that time um, and that we were blessed enough to not have challenges with our health, not have challenges with um, our financial situation. If we didn't have both of those um, challenges, having the time to actually notice like, how am I living my life? You know, what am I doing? Am I, am I going to work to make money on a mindless work that has no meaning for me that actually is not adding anything to anyone really and I'm unhappy why am I doing that you know like it, it, it doesn't mean that everything needs to change now it just means that I'm able to have the time and the space to question and to think and I think that you know for a lot of people especially for those that were impacted with someone in their lives dying then we realize much more clearly what is important. And what is important usually is our health, our connections, our family, our friends, other people. It's not so much making money. Mm. And, and how 
are we going to be able to to shift the model and the system of our societies to be able to to engage in a way that actually makes sense and actually takes everyone into account because you know like as as you were saying before like this this is from everywhere everywhere in the world people were impacted and like I, one of the things that I that I that this is my my way of, of talking about it is like I don't care how the virus came to be. Mm. I don't even entertain the idea. It's not something that I'm going to solve. It's not something <laughs> that I want to put my energy into. Right. All that I care is that you know there is something that is impacting everyone. Yeah. In different ways. Yeah. And what are we going to do? What are we going to learn? And what are we going to actually um, change and can we use this as an opportunity because you know a lot of times it's like people want to go back to normal normal wasn't working <laughs> yeah like, and normal, normal was insanity no. yeah. normal was insanity and, and yes perhaps for some people you know they had an amazing life but when we when we start to understand, you know, like we're all one, we're connected. Yeah. Like if someone else is dying, like things are not right. So it's that like, let's not go back to a normal, let's go back to a better world. Yes. Well, you, I, as I was just listening to you, you, you speak, I mean, you brought to mind this idea of materialism mm-hmm. and this sick marriage, this, codependent marriage of materialism which is an independent thing my addiction to material and to capitalism Mm. and this idea of people are always being exploited by the capitalist system that's how it works like you say Mm. and it's also how we've gotten to where we are today i mean the the consequence of it is that we're here because of the people that we've stepped on to get to where we are and every civilization has done that. And can we get to a place where we can all live with equity and equality? Is that mm. possible? Well, I, I do believe that it's possible. Super challenging, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, like we, we are the capital system. Like, yes, it's a construct, but also we are part of it, which means that we are also allowing it to continue. Yes, um, I am allowing it to continue. Yeah, <laughs> and, and this is this is not about judging, and, and I don't mm-hmm. judge what, what came before. What came before, now, now we're able to see where we are based on what came before. So it's not about judging, it's about recognizing that that had its place, and a lot of amazing things came from that. But this is no longer serving us. So can we see mm-hmm. a way forward, as you're saying, that is going to actually bring environmental justice, social justice, equity, and equality? Because those are the ways that we can move forward. And I do think that consciousness is rising. More people are waking up. Whether we talk about it in a spiritual or non-spiritual way, I don't care about that. And for me, I connect on it on a spiritual way, but I, it doesn't need to be. Right. Consciousness is rising because we are more connected through the internet. We're more connected with the understanding of what's happening. 
And by doing that, then we can actually start to make decisions. And, and a lot of times I think, you know, this starts from ourselves. As at the very beginning, you mentioned something that I talk about a lot, that it's taking personal responsibility and stewardship, understanding what is your role here, what do you believe in, what do you stand for, and how are you going to show up for yourself and for others? And understanding, the more that we understand our connection, the others, it's quite a big group of people. Yeah. It's 8 billion people. Yeah. So how am I showing up for everyone? And of course, you know, I'm one person. You are one person. We cannot change everything. Yet, I can change myself. Right. If I change myself, by changing myself, I start to change the people around me. Yeah. And that's the ripple effect that we need when we start to understand that I, I don't need to change everything. I just need to change me. And by doing that, everything will change. Because if 8 billion people change themselves, then we all change. Right. So we, we, we can get to that place. And, you know, I, I always think there is a big, big take on, on, on equality and equity. And from people that we are more fortunate and we have been um, blessed with whatever happened in the past, then my position here, I can understand that it's one of privilege. Mm -hmm. I am not one of the most privileged people in the people, but I still understand that, you know, I have a computer, I have internet, I'm yeah. talking to you, I have a roof on top of my head, I'm privileged. Yeah. So if I understand that I have that, then I can understand, okay, what am I doing with that privilege? And what I can do is different than what you can do and what other people can do. What I care about is different than what you care about. So if someone cares more about, you know, um, their local community and their focus is on, is on food, um, and I'm trying to make sure that everyone has food security, then focus on that. If for the other person, it is about understanding, you know, like it's about social justice, then focus on that. If for another one, it's about organic and not more chemical grown um, things, then focus on that. Whatever lights you up, that is what you're supposed to be doing. And we're all different. So it's not about getting everyone to be the same. It's about making everyone realize that you're unique. What are you going to bring to the table? Well, as a registered clinical counselor, I tell kids, uh, you know, don't be cool. Just be yourself. I mean, that's, that's a cool, like, that's the best thing in the world. By you being yourself, whatever mm -hmm. that is, you find your purpose. You will impact the world and encourage others to do the same. And like you said, you find out what your goal is in the now, you work on that goal, and who's to say that it won't change? It will change. It, it, but yeah, it will change. I mean, we're not static creatures. Mm -hmm. You know, our book is always being written, you know, and, and, and maybe some believe that the book has, you know, all has been written, but for us, for us living, part of existence is as we live, our book is being written. So always thinking yeah. about that. And and the crazy thing is, is yeah, we have our, our individual books, 
but there's also, we're at this point in time, as you mentioned, that we are all one in eight billion writing the same story right now at the same time. And things like the internet have, are awaking us to how this, this, the, the system that connects us. Yes. And, and that there's the other piece of living authentically. And therein does lie the danger of, in my experiences in Western culture, there's competition mm. and then there's cooperation. And in order to get to where we are today, there had to have been some cooperation, right? If it, if it was just, you know, ah, me, then the others wouldn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there was, there's always been a dance. But where we are now, to me, competition feeds the disease of, of mental insecurity. At least it has mm -hmm. for me. But yeah. cooperation, when you win, I win. And when I win, you win. Yeah. That's the key to happiness. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And you know, like for me, one of the with conscious action, um, I always talk about our four main pillars, and our mm. four main pillars is connection, collaboration, celebration, and compassion. And yes, like the, the not only now and the past, but most importantly, the future is about collaboration. Mm. It's about understanding that we are all connected and that if if you win i win and if the other person wins i win yeah as you were just saying this is this every single decision that i make for for myself and for my business i'm thinking all of the time how can i make this a win-win situation a win-win-win-win-win-win yeah, situation yeah. taking into account all of the stakeholders including the earth including the local communities of where i'm operating including all of the people that are attached, all of the suppliers, all of their customers, all of the people that are attached, all of the people that come to my events, all of the people that are listening to my podcast. How can I make this something that everyone is winning? And if everyone is winning, then I'm winning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's... And, and even in, in the sense of winning, it's like success, right? Like, if you're doing what you really believe in, You know, I mean, uh, and, and I've, I've said the golden rule is that you're making the choice to have others make choices, not I'm choosing to take away other people's choices. Mm -hmm. And that has been the system since, you know, time immemorial that we've had certain people who have decided to take away other people's choices. Mm -hmm. And again, there's this piece of privilege. I'm incredibly yeah. privileged. But privilege isn't something like, ah, you know, shame, shame. It's about what can I do with yeah. what I'm given, yeah, right? Exactly. Gratitude and, and action. Mm, yes, definitely. And, you know, like there's one of the interesting things with, with that conversation, I think it's a huge conversation, understanding privilege and understanding um, how to bring justice into what happened before is understanding, as you were saying, what are the actions that I'm going to take and how far am I willing to go mm. to do to have reparations and to bring on equality and to bring on equity. Um, and that is a really, really important and it's a huge topic in on itself, but it's it's really important. I think that it's something that for these times 
you know, like it's except New Zealand and perhaps a few other places in the world that most things are open. Mm-hmm. Everyone is in a position that there's time to rethink a lot of things. Um, how how do we want to, you know, uh, for me, I'm looking at how do we want 2025 to look? Because things don't change from one day to the no. next. Like there's a process, there's time, and there's, you know, starting back again and on getting all of these new ideas and all of these new changes and all of these new ways to integrate with what's already happening. So I'm looking at, you know, what is my vision like in 2025? My vision is one that I'm hoping that there's much more connection, much more collaboration, much more emphasis on local communities and connection of people, bringing back that sense of community because that is something that we forgot with individualism um, and the importance of it and actually by making sure that each and every single community is self-sufficient and self-reliant with a cooperation with the other communities and that you know acting local and thinking global that is one of the ways that we're going to move forward like you know how how many like more t-shirts do we need yeah like, materialism can, again yeah right? can, can we can we grow you know like I, I grow here in the garden some food i go like um, now after after the talk i'm going to go to the farmer's market here to to get from the local farmer the rest of my food you know like can I rely on just my community and not, you know, like not going to a supermarket or not going to buy something that comes from half way around the world? And it's not about, you know, like that's not good. It's just that, you know, can we survive with what we have here? Mm-hmm. And not only survive, can we thrive with what is here and, and understand, you know, what's the impact of bringing something from the other side of the world here especially something that already grows here yeah yeah if it's something that doesn't grow here i could understand it potentially but you know like bringing some lemons when there's lemons growing here and like why yes right there's a lot of places around the world that there's shortage of food and a lot of food doesn't grow there so of course those places do need to have that just understanding you know this each community, each um, place has uniqueness mm-hmm. built into them. So taking care of that and it's looking at it from different perspectives. I I think a lot of times, you know, like when I do my work, I bring up the sustainable development goals from the UN. They are not perfect, but it's a framework to actually see. Uh, how we are acting and what's the impact of our choices, as well as the donut economic um, system as well. I think that you know when we have those systems in in place to actually understand, it's like okay, if I do this, the impact is going to be there, 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 and there. Like then, is that the correct action or not? Right. And, and it's much easier to see when when I actually have at the forefront these views. Now, the sense of of again, 
getting back to our roots and being here and now and living in the world around us is a key to not only sustainability, but to stabilizing our mental wellness. And I've had this conversation with a friend of mine and, and I can be quite an idealist, quite a romanticist, you know, and, and an optimist, all wonderful things. And my buddy has reminded me that there will always be bad actors. There will always be people that will try and exploit. And it becomes a question of what do we do with them? Hmm. How do we encourage them? You know, I, I don't believe that there's uh, bad actors. Mm -hmm. I believe that everyone believes that they are the good actor. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is that because of the because of our disconnection and because of the way that we've been separating everything, mm -hmm. we created this polarization and. Like my belief is that even the people that are killing, the people that are taking advantage of others, they are doing it because they think that they are doing something right. They are doing justified. good. Yeah. It's not even justified. Mm. It's they believe that what they are doing is the right thing to do. Just the same as when someone, when a country is going to war, they believe that they are protecting. They are not, you know, it's not about sometimes, even though we might, like that is it is somewhere there um it's about killing that it's about protection it's about doing what we think that is right and if it's someone, the ego well partly yes and partly it's the understanding that um it's it's that separation that you know like yes. it's like it's this it's like you know like what what what's a country like why why do we have patriotism like what makes you know like i, I lived in the eu i lived in argentina i lived in the us i lived in different places in europe i live now here in new zealand like and, and i found that in some places the sense of patriotism is way more prevalent than in other places and that like shapes some of the decisions and if i think you know like there's this land here needs to be protected and, and it's precious which is perfectly okay to think that what i'm also thinking is you know anyone that is not this then it's mm -hmm. it's a, it's a dangerous we and other a, we other yeah. you know other yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and othering actually polarizes us and creates a difference so you know i think that the more that we can start to connect the less that that is going to become a problem and the more that we start sharing the less that that's going to become a problem because the problem with this is that you know as countries and societies um there's rich ones there's the haves and there's the have nots whether this is as a country or inside of the country and if we keep on dividing the house with the have-nots, then that's always going to be a problem because, you know, like we're creating that separation. Whereas the reality is that there's abundance, you know, there's enough food nowadays, not even thinking of what we could potentially grow in the future. There's now enough food to feed 20 billion people. And there's billions of people going hungry today. And the food that we are growing today is enough for 20 billion people, but we are throwing it away. Yeah. And it's not distributed well. 
you know, like there's people that have billions and trillions of man, of dollars, and there's people that don't even have one cent. So it's not about a, a lack of resources. It's not about a lack of abundance. It's, it's about distribution. Yeah. So the more that we start to understand actually the impact of someone not having mm. how that impacts the ones that do have, then until we keep on realizing that and we realize the connection, then things are going to continue being challenging. But I think that we're waking up to that. Then we're waking up to understand, you know, like if something happens potentially in a remote market, in a remote village somewhere in the world, that can actually impact you on the other side of the world, in your business, in your health, in your family, you know, and it's like, okay, so how do we prevent this? Well, we could prevent this by actually making sure that everyone in the world has enough, that there is actually better distribution, there's equality, there's social justice, and that we're able to understand that, which, which is what we've been talking, is when we understand this connection, then I understand, you know, like, that's for me as well. Right. So it is, it's, it's a challenge, and I think that it's, it's a consciousness change, a mentality change, a system change. And I do have, as you were mentioning before, I do have a sense of idealism and positivism, but also I'm a realist. Mm. Um, So I mix both things and I understand, you know, next year, like all these things are not going to be solved, yet we can move in that direction. And the more people that wake up to doing that, the more people that wake up to going in to Mm. question and to connect with themselves and from there connect to others, then we're moving in the right direction. And it might take generations. Hopefully not. Hopefully in our generation we can solve this because if also we don't solve this, COVID is going to be the least of our problems with climate change. So like that's another big conversation that you know needs to happen. Um, that it's it's part of these times and it's part of you know seeing these connections like if if there's like something that changes from somewhere in the world then we're already seeing in a lot of places there's climate refugees already yes. there's going to be a huge displacement of people if we don't change our ways so understanding just that it's like the more that we understand what's actually going on the more that we understand that there is a way to change mm-hmm. it well it's so interesting that that you bring up you know how fictional so much of this is the amount of money that exists does not physically exist in the world and we're starting to wake up to the fact that we're living in a fictional story we're living in a fictional story and that there are people myself included who have taken more than than we need Mm. you know the fact that i've had food go bad in my home is should be it should be the biggest wake-up call to me you know the fact that i have shirts that have dust on them should be a wake-up call to me right and i am getting to this point of what do i really 
need, this sense of utility, you know, mm. of, of what really serves me versus what am I kind of holding on to? And it's not like, again, it's not a shameful thing. It's yeah. almost bemusing, mm. you know, this, this sort of, this lie we've bought with comfort. Mm. Comfort yeah. isn't truth. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, I think I, what you're raising just now, there's a few things that I want to touch on. One yeah, is yeah. like, it's, it's really important not to judge ourselves. Yes, I agree. And not to be tough on ourselves because of my previous ignorance or what I wasn't noticing. It's moving forward. Yeah, and it's like, from from that, it's like, you know, like, A, I woke up to, to the fact that, you know, I, I did in the past, like, waste food. And now I like now I know I don't waste yeah. any food at all. I buy what I know that I'm going to eat. I plan accordingly, and I eat it all. I don't allow it to go bad. If I have anything, I compost it so I don't allow anything to go to the rubbish bin. I actually I haven't put anything in the last two and a half years in the rubbish bin. Whoa! Like I don't I don't make any personal. That's amazing. Rubbish. And you know like. If I do it, anyone can do it. It's just sure. understanding. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just understanding, you know, like I, I I, understand my impact and I understand my actions. And I have, as I mentioned before, I've been doing this for the last 17 years, living really consciously. So in, in a lot of senses, I'm way ahead than what I was 17 years ago. So it's not about comparing, it's not about judging. Yet I understand, you know, like, oh, I woke up to that. Like, for example, like, I have a lot of books here. Like, I love books. Me too. So, like, there's there's no, like, I, I don't have any issue with having books. Yet, I am completely open to sharing them. And I do think mm. that the sharing economy is one of the most important things because, like, you know, like, I already have this T-shirt. Like, I, like, what can I do so that it actually has use especially if i don't use it that much and it's like okay i can donate it or i can sell it whatever it just did it or i can i can actually engage in there's a lot and more and more of sharing economy airbnb um, uber or other car riding uh, car share like riding apps like there's here in new zealand for example there's like during lockdown there's a business that started for sharing tools or sharing anything that you have in your house. So if you have a hammer or like, you know, like having like tools libraries, like mm. what, the more that we understand that, like, you know, like we can share, like, I, I don't know in, like when over there where you live, but like, you know, here, like I live surrounded with other houses, right? Each house, like most likely has its own, dishwasher has its own washing machine has its own uh, lawnmower it's like do we need all of that mm -hmm. like and then each one like whenever something breaks and stuff using that one they will get a new one instead of repairing it they will get a new one and it's just not about judging this is the way that our yes. society is telling us how to do things but it's like can we stop and can we start sharing a little bit more and understanding you know like this is something from a pandemic perspective that I personally don't agree with I do see its value but not completely is 
the isolation. We need to be connected to others. The sense of community for our well-being is so important to be able to keep my immune system mm. in a high place. I need connection with other human beings. That is why giving hugs is such an important thing and it's recommended um, to have a minimum of eight hugs per day. Really? People, yeah. The amount of like all of like I don't want to get yeah, yeah. too much into what but the oxytocin and yeah, yeah the amount yeah, of oxytocin. Yeah. So like you know to to be able to get to the minimum place of happiness to the minimum, like it's recommended to have eight hugs a day. So we need that connection with people. You know, like why why is it that for centuries it has been the biggest punishment in the world sending people in prison to isolation? because the most important thing that we have is this connection. And yes, I can feel that connection now with you, yet when we have it in person, it's in a different level. Right. So I understand the importance for the pandemic on one perspective on isolating our sons, but when that starts to be in a long amount of time, For people that live by themselves, especially, oh, the, um, the impact that, that it's going to have or that it's already having on people's mental well-being is huge. And uh, what it's going to have it's a, an impact in the future, it might be even more. So, you know, it's, it's a very interesting thing because um, we, we need to do something to, to avoid um the medical system to be overloaded yes yeah yet um one that is not happening we like you know how do we deal with going back to connection and as i said before like in new zealand we are blessed that everything is open so we are able to have this right. connection you know i'm, I'm Like, as I said, I went to a festival. I'm going in a few weeks to another festival with some few thousand people. Like, it, like talking to other people around the world, this is like, yeah. what, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. But that's like, awesome. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I know, like, I was talking with my friend and, and that lives in, in, in London. And I told him, like, you know, and I'm going to go to the festival and I'm going to connect with everyone and I'm going mm. to dance my ass off because <laughs> you can't. So I'm right. going to, I'm going to do it for do you. For, yeah, for everyone that's the world. Understanding, as, as, as I talked before about privilege, understanding the privilege that I have, I'm going to make the most out of this situation because not everyone is able to. Dude, that's awesome. I. You, there's a point when you're talking and this is just, it was like, I'm not saying that this is what your house smells like, but I was smelling incense. You know, that, like that therapeutic smell. And I was like, I, I have the incense <laughs> but isn't that like, dude, I legitimately was smelling that. And I was like, man, I feel like so, you know, calm right now. So mm. I, I, I want to thank you for your time. And I mean, yeah, I would love to speak to you again, Brian. Thank yeah, you. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, and, and all, all the best for what's happening over there in Canada yeah. and, and for you. And, and I do hope that everyone that is listening to this, that 
you know, they if they haven't yet, that they can actually think of what they've been learning. And, and I always encourage everyone to think of what is one action that you can take. What is one action? Like forgetting about everything, just what is your next action? So if you like realize something, put that into action. The power of intent, you know, why and that one action. Mm-hmm. And when you focus on it, you tap into the intent of why am I doing this? Yeah. And, and not to be overburdened by the mm. idea that, you know, I need to change everything. It's just like step by step. What's the one thing? And I could walk really fast or I could walk slow, but step by step. One thing that I'm working on daily is, is taking time developing that relationship with myself of 30 minutes, just quiet meditation. And, and like you say, it's, it's not about being perfect. It's just, what's that one thing you can do. So. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Okay. And you take care. Once again, that was Brian Burneman from uh, New Zealand. And as I'd mentioned, a very calming voice. You might have noticed that I was even kind of like, uh, like de-stressing as he was speaking. So thank you for that, Brian. Be sure to check out his podcast, Conscious Action and You Being You. Uh, I Like I say, I, I just really appreciated his message of finding ways that we can work together locally and globally. And that is, that's, that's the answer moving forward. And, and the only one that really makes sense at this moment in time. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Have a wonderful day. Thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Grant, and I'm probably wrong about everything.